We are just eight weeks away from South Carolina's primary elections and election reform is on the headlines in the South Carolina Senate. You're listening to the fastest growing conservative podcast in South Carolina. I'm Dave Wilson with SCGOP Chairman Drew McKissick with us today. Drew, one yes, of the things that that you have been working on and, and our colleagues have been working on over in the House and Senate has been what needs to be done with election reform. If you got through 2020, you began to realize really quickly yep. something is up with the elections in South Carolina. And as we've crisscrossed the state, as you've crisscrossed the state, we keep hearing over and over and over again, what are we going to do to secure our election? Yep. So let's talk through. Sure. We've got two major bills that are right. in the Senate now. The House mm-hmm. has dealt with these. Yep. Um Let's talk through what we've got with both of these and why this is so important, especially with the fact that we've got an election coming up in eight weeks. Right. So in South Carolina, we're in a position right now basically to improve the laws that we have. So just backing up a little bit, after the 2020 election, or during the 2020 election, rather, we had here in South Carolina, Democrats came to try to do here what they did in a multitude of other states around the country, and that was to sue their way into all mail-in balloting. All right. Uh, here in South Carolina, as soon as they dropped those lawsuits on us, uh, I had our attorneys intervene on behalf of the South Carolina Republican Party. We did so. We went all the way to, uh, well, first off, in the federal district court. Uh, we won on every um, challenge that they were bringing to election law except one. Basically, all the challenges they were bringing was kind of what I call a buffet table of how to make fraud easier. Okay. Um, the one thing that the judge gave them, though, was... Uh, to get rid of the witness signature on mail-in absentee ballots. Because their logic was, well, because of coronavirus, if I have to get close enough to somebody to get a witness signature on an absentee ballot, I could die. And the judge actually gave them that. Uh, So we challenged that, went to the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals. Uh, Ultimately, we lost at the Fourth Circuit because it's full of Obama appointees now. Uh, We appealed to the U.S. Supreme Court, and ultimately we won. So we stopped them cold here in South Carolina on the things that they did in other states. Uh, that is not to say that we can't even make the laws that we have here stronger. Uh, you know, comparatively speaking, uh, our laws here in South Carolina versus other states' election laws are much, much stronger, much better. Uh, I worked with the RNC on their ballot integrity committee after the election, and we did a deep dive on what went right and wrong in various states around the country, what needs to be improved. Uh, and we came out of that with a long list of things that could be done depending on what state you're in. Uh, here in South Carolina, there are basically about 20 different things that we looked at uh, that we could do to tweak election law here and make it more secure. Uh, and the legislation that you referenced a minute ago, uh, two state House bills that have passed, House Bill 3444 and 49-19. Collectively, those bills do about 18 of the 20 things that were on our wish list, quite frankly. Uh, the key things are, number one, 3444 requires that county election commissions be subject to the authority of the state election commission here in South Carolina. You and I have been around. Because right now, right right. now, okay, 46 counties in South Carolina, you've got 46 county election commissions who, depending upon what locality you are, and and let's just be honest, folks, as you're listening today on your drive-in or you're folding the laundry, whatever, you got to keep in mind, sometimes it feels, Drew, like we live in Dukes of Hazzard and Boss Hogg is (laughs) maybe in control of a county. And and so you've just got to be mindful of that. No particular counties are going to be named in this particular one. That's all on me. But but you do have some places where local control and local, what we call good old boy politics that happens in the back room of the Mm -hmm. liquor store 
for can sometimes have an impact on what goes on right. in the county. Right. It comes down to how election law in the various counties gets applied or enforced, if you will. Uh, and the 46 county election commissioners around South Carolina sometimes operate, as I like to call them, fiefdoms under themselves. You know? Right. Uh, so this law would put them under the direct authority of the state election commission. It would mandate that all election law is applied exactly the same, uniformly around our state. So whether you're in Georgetown County, Pickens County, wherever it may be, the laws will be applied evenly, exactly the same in terms of uh, uh, election day operations, mail-in absentee ballots, et cetera. Et because cetera. we saw differences in those county to county in 2020. We did. We did. And again, that's sort of a standard thing. That's one of the weaknesses that we have here in South Carolina is the equal application of the law. Right. This would fix that. It will put them under the uniform authority of the State Election Commission. Uh, going forward, though, there are also other tweaks that we can make in terms of uh, how secure our elections are. Uh, number one is our mail-in absentee ballot process. So currently in South Carolina, uh, depending on what county you're in, again, uh, mail-in absentee ballots uh, can actually start 30, some cases 45 days prior to Election Day. Uh, and what this change would do is to get rid of what we call in-person absentee voting uh, period. Everything would have to be, for the absentee, it would have to be mail-in, okay? Uh, it would require that uh, you, as the voter, would have to put the last four digits of your Social Security number on the outer envelope when you send one in so they know they can, they can track it back to you. They know right. that's your ballot. Secondly, when you get that witness signature, you would have to have the witness actually also to print their name and to give their address because, you know, as we all know now, it's like whenever you, you sign one of those electronic, you know, pads or whatever with your finger and you're signing your name, basically people are making an X anymore right. or whatever. So you have to print your name, put your address down so they can tie that back to you. And, also, and confirm that you are who you say you are. Who you, now, say do you, you are. Do you have to be a registered voter in order to be able to witness? Into witness. Yes, you okay. do. Uh, and in addition to that, it requires or limits how many ballots you can witness to no more than 10. So what it does is it effectively gets rid of ballot harvesting in South Carolina. Right. Okay? So, ballot, so, so explain ballot harvesting. Mm -hmm. That is where somebody can go mm -hmm. and, and basically say, I'm going to go into a particular place, collect all the ballots, right. and, and basically on, on haul a, them in. On a mass mass basis, if you will, uh, collecting uh, and tracking mail-in absentee ballots from individuals in a given area, and then you taking them, getting them from the individual, and hauling them off to a local county election commission. Right. This will limit that process to no more than 10 per individual. So, okay, if you're doing it for your family or for people in your church and so forth. So it, it's very, very limited. Uh, so it does that. But in addition to that, uh, it creates uh, what we call uh, a 12-day early voting period in South Carolina. Uh, so getting rid of the in-person absentee but creating a 12-day early voting, uh, which will be limited to probably about, depending on population, about three locations per county. They have to be spread out geographically around the county. They have to be opened uh, for at regular hours, uh, you know, at least 9 to 5. They have to be uh, announced no less than two weeks in advance. So no hide the ball with where we're going to be voting in any given county. You have to announce it in advance. Well, and so, so that makes one of these stipulations really important because if we've got an election that's coming up on June the 14th, that means that on May 31st, mm -hmm. That's got to get published. Absolutely. Which puts us up against a clock that we mm -hmm. know that we're running against right now, and that's the right. South Carolina's signy die. Right. You know, the end of the legislative session is going to be coming up on uh, May the 12th. Mm -hmm. uh, and if 
if in the next four weeks they get this done, this is yeah, great, gives right. you plenty of time. Right. But if it stretches beyond that and they have to deal with this mm-hmm. when they come back, right. you're up against a clock right now. We're getting tighter. We're getting tighter. Uh, also, though, in addition to that, takes care of eliminating drop boxes in South Carolina. It makes those illegal. Uh, it gets rid of what we call the uh, third-party election money, the Mark Zuckerberg money, coming into various Democrat-controlled counties, giving them millions of dollars to go do more voter registration in their county. So so I want to jump on that real quick. Uh-huh. Did we see that happening a lot in South Carolina? So in uh, Richland County was the biggest offender. I forget exactly what the dollar amount that they took here, but basically nationwide what the, the Zuckerberg you know monolith of money did was target – uh, I would say out of every county uh, that they would go into and offer money to a county election commission, nine or more than nine out of ten were majority Democrat counties. And they did this knowing that they would essentially manipulate encouraging more Democrat voter turnout and using you know, soft uh, um, um, you know, third-party money, not hard money, also uh, untraceable in many cases money, uh, dark money, uh, to these Democrat election commissions and trying to increase Democrat turnout. And that that just boils down to, okay, so we're in South Carolina politics, and we talk about this off the air and on the air. And, you know, we, we our JV politics mm-hmm. will be at a pro team about any day out there simply because right. of the nature of what we do. And we have, we have friends and colleagues mm-hmm. that do a lot of work when it comes to engaging yep. the faith community's right. involvement in right. the in this process. But this goes a step beyond that because this mm-hmm. is pouring millions of dollars into a process mm-hmm. to get predominantly, if not totally, yep. democratically controlled county election commissions Absolutely. to do this and, and to, to jack up the numbers of people who are registered to vote and voting. And this bill will make that illegal, period. Uh, so, so not only do we have um, uh, the security of not having uh, third-party organizations essentially give money to locally uh, run Democrat election commissions, uh, but we have more security in how our ballots are handled, when they're opened, uh, uh, where ballots are being accepted, uh, knowing that we've got plenty of time to, to make arrangements to do the poll watching and the poll watching uh, working, rather, that we need to have in those particular areas. Uh, so giving us more security over who's casting a ballot, uh, making it, as they say, you know, easier to vote but harder to cheat. I mean, that's what we want in a nutshell. Uh, and that's what these two bills would do. So both of these bills are now pending in the state Senate. Uh, and as I understand it, they're going to be rolled into one bill uh, probably sometime this week. Uh, and hopefully it gets passed and gets sent over to the uh, House for their concurrence and the governor's signature. So there's a lot of uh, – when the bills came out of the House, they mm-hmm. were almost unanimously, if not unanimously, one of them was unanimous, yeah. as a matter of fact. And, yeah. and so that, for you at home, as you're listening to this, you understand that that is part of a, a move by leadership in the South Carolina House mm-hmm. to basically tell members, listen, you're going to have to show this yep. as an important thing because they're all up for election yep. this year. Yep. It is re-election for every House member. The Senate doesn't come back up for election for two more years, mm-hmm. and, and we can talk about that a little bit later. Drew, right. I want to go a little bit further because we've got Drew McKissick, who's the chairman of the South Carolina Republican Party, here with us on the Palmetto Family Matters podcast. I want to ask you this question because our uh, our friends who are often not voting the same way right. uh, will often call this these bills bills that are going to limit people's ability to vote, voter mm-hmm. suppression. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and I sit there and I struggle uh-huh. with voter suppression because yeah. I, I want to rewind a little bit. Yeah. You're going to remember last summer, the All-Star game mm-hmm. 
was supposed to take place in, in Atlanta, Atlanta, Georgia. Okay, yep. Yep. my son is a, is a huge baseball fan. One of my sons is, and was so upset because he was like, "They're moving it to Colorado." Colorado is predominantly a Democrat-controlled state. They're moving it out of Georgia because Georgia has now passed all these laws. And yet the Democrats go to Milwaukee, Wisconsin Mm -hmm. for their national convention in 2020. Mm -hmm. And Scott Walker, our friend who is the former governor of Wisconsin, said, I find it very ironic that they're still going to be holding their national convention in a state where the election laws are stricter Than the new laws <laughs> that are being like, passed in Georgia. Yeah, don't don't go pointing out facts. That's rude to liberals. Know, you know when you start doing that. I mean, look. I mean, even Joe Biden's home state of Delaware has uh, the, the some of the strictest uh, voting laws in the United States uh, in terms of absentee voting, I, which I think. Uh, Either, either they don't have it or it's limited to just a few days. You have to vote entirely on election day there. So total hypocrisy, and we're used to that. But the thing about these bills we have here in South Carolina, collectively taken together, the House Bill 3444, uh, when you look at them versus what they did in Georgia, and which is a result, as you said, the all-star game was moved. And, you know, liberals have lost their collective minds. And, you know, we're trying to suppress the vote in Georgia. Aren't Republicans evil? Those two bills here in South Carolina taken together would give our laws here a more conservative stance than what they did over in Georgia. And yet, one of those two bills passed unanimously in the state House of Representatives here in South Carolina. And so either Democrats were asleep and weren't reading the bill, I don't know. Right. But. And, and so <laughs> you've got to realize you had more than, you had 40 Democrats at least who were going to be turning around and voting. Right. They voted for this in the House because this is not about voter suppression, Drew. It's right. about voter integrity. That's right. And securing that the vote is taking place. Right. We're not making it any harder for somebody to go nope. and vote than it is current. I mean, reality is right now, you got to show up on election day or you've got to have one of what, like 18 different reasons for you to not be able to go vote. And you still right. have to go to your county, uh, conv- your county election office to be mm-hmm. able to do that. So I live in Lexington. Right. I live not far from there. But if I lived in Chapin instead of living in Lexington, mm-hmm. that's a 40-minute drive to get to the election office. Yep. And yet... With this bill, they could actually put a satellite location for two weeks Correct. in Chapin, which Correct. is in the northern part of the county, mm-hmm. so that those folks don't have to go all the way into right. downtown Lexington to be able to vote. They can vote yep. securely in their own communities, which is not suppression. No. It is no. actually opening up opportunity for that and, and standardizing out, it. it. It will be standardized. It will be announced two weeks in advance. And, you know, if, if for some reason they were not able to open that Chapin location that you just mentioned uh, inside of that two-week time frame, then that location is, is, is gone. That's it. In other words, they can't do something that has not been announced two weeks in advance so that parties and campaigns can do the poll working and watching that they need to do to make sure things are more secure. So let's talk real quick about some of the things that also go on uh, and, and see what happened in states like Virginia. Okay, so you have Governor Yunkin, who the, the faith community's involvement in the election, the poll watching, mm-hmm. the certification process, overseeing, being there, right. being present right. to win, right. no, no pun intended on that right. one, but... It was so important, and yet, you know, I look at the fact that we've got two thousand precincts across the state of South Carolina, right. plus or minus. Right. What do people need to do to get active and involved in the process of elections? So, a couple of things, and it depends on 
what you like to do. So, you know, there's there's what I call a, a buffet of activity that you can get involved in as, as, a, as a citizen, uh, being civic-minded, uh, helping either candidates, working with political parties. Uh, and that goes all the way from being a campaign volunteer to uh, being a poll worker. So you hear, you hear a lot of terms that will get thrown around. So we talk about poll watchers, for instance. Poll watchers are people that are working with a campaign or a political party to go and essentially do just that, to watch a given polling place to make sure that what's going on there is not you know, out of sorts, that the law is being enforced, et cetera. Right. And we need that. We need more poll watchers. We need eyes and ears out there so, watching so these are people, what's going these on. These are people going to a polling place during right. the 12 hours that a poll is open, right. or however the case may be in, in, in early voting situations, right. to just be there, right. watch what's, watch going, what's on. going on. So okay. they get trained ahead of time to watch what's going on, to know what to look for. Right. And then if there's a problem, they've got a cell phone, they've got a number they can call. Our attorneys are on standby. If we need to have someone go in and intervene in that particular county, we can do that. So that's poll watching. Then you have what's called poll working. Okay, poll workers actually work for the county election commission in any given county for that day. Mm-hmm. They have to have some training ahead of time. They're the person who's behind the table actually signing you in and making sure that, you know, you're getting the right ballot and you're walking into the right stall for your precinct to cast your vote. And each uh, precinct will have, you know, a set number of poll workers, depending on how big it is. Uh, And one of them will be the poll manager, will be in charge of the operation there. So those are people who, again, who have signed up ahead of time to be trained and to work for the county on that day. They get paid the incredible sum of, I think, $120 for for their trouble that day. You know, you're going to get rich doing it. Uh, you can almost make but, that flipping burgers at McDonald's. You know, for all the talk that we do, and, and not that we shouldn't, uh, about uh, um, campaign infrastructure, uh, voting infrastructure, voting machines, the thing to remember is the most critical piece of election machinery is a person. Someone so who's on the other side of the table, who's working the machine, whose eyeballs are watching it, and who is conducting, signing people in, challenging someone, et cetera, if necessary. People are the most important part of election machinery. In the last cycle, uh, I think it was in around May of last of the 2020 cycle, I got a call from the State Election Commission uh, director at the time, uh, put me on a conference call with the head of the State Democrat Party. And their concern was, hey, it was in the middle of coronavirus, and our problem is we're worried we're not going to have enough staff, enough workers around the state to work this election because so many of them are old and they're worried about coronavirus. And so we, we want to conduct an all-mail-in election here in South Carolina. So I sat there kind of quiet and just let them talk and do their thing for a minute. And, of course, the, head, the, the Democrat Party chairman was, you know, hey, I understand that, and da 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 So I let them talk, and then I stopped and I said, look, do you all have a website somewhere that uh, someone could go to and sign up and say, I'm willing to become and volunteer to become an election worker here in South Carolina. And depending on what county they're in, their name and information will go to that respective county election commission. They said, yeah, we could do that. I said, y'all do that. And as soon as you get that done, let me know, because I've got an email list with about 100,000 people on it. I'm going to send that out to them once a week and encourage them to go sign up to be poll workers and to help you all out. Oh, okay. All right. We'll let you know. So about a week later, they finally get something together. We hit that thing once a week. We put it on Facebook. We put paid ads out there. September rolls around and they call us and said, don't send us any more volunteers. We got enough people. You're already full. So, but my point is that is where you need your people in the election machinery because then they're watching what's going on. They're conducting what's going on. That's the most critical thing that people can do. So these are the folks that when you go to the, to your polling place, they're the ones who are checking your ID. They're running right. up against That's the right. thing. 
the, the list to see who's there. Have you voted? Have you not voted? Uh, and, and answer some of those questions and mm-hmm. bring a level of integrity to, right. you know, one person, one vote mm-hmm. in the state of South Carolina, which I think is really important. Yep. As, as we go a little bit further on this, Drew, I think I want to make sure that folks at home know, okay, if I want to get involved in the process, mm-hmm. what are some steps that I need to take to mm-hmm. be able to do that? Well, first and foremost, uh, you know, shameless plug here, go to sc.gop slash volunteer, sign up. Uh, there's a number of things on there that you can sign up for, uh, whether it's working with us at the local level and our party at the local level or at the state level or with campaigns, poll working, poll watching, et cetera, et cetera. First thing we have to do, at least on our end, is know that you're there and that you want to volunteer. Uh, and we can pass that information on to the appropriate people at the local level or with campaigns, et cetera. There's a lot of stuff that needs to be done. Uh, and, you know, one thing that um, we never have a problem with in, in politics, and I know you run into the same thing, yeah. and that's too many people volunteer. Right? That's never, never have, a problem. You never, never you know, walk problem. into the room, there's too many volunteers here. I can't get in the room. I'll have to go home. That's never a problem. Apathy is always our biggest enemy. Not Democrats, not liberals, but apathy, especially on the part of people who think like we do. Uh, so first off is volunteer and let us know what you're interested in doing. And then second is the people who think like you do who are sitting next to you at church or who are standing next to you at work, get them to do the same thing. One of the things that our friend Chad Connolly has been involved with in yep. Faith Wins has been to do this on a national scale to Absolutely. get the faith community engaged and involved in what's going on. So if you're watching this, if you're yep. listening today, you're sitting there going, I, I really, I know that something needs to be done because we hear this all the time. That's right. I w- just wish I knew what I could do. Yep. We'll provide mm-hmm. a link in the description so that you can follow along and find ways that you can get engaged and involved in what's happening with this. Drew, one last thing as we begin to wrap up. Mm-hmm. As we think about how we counter the message that this is voter suppression, uh-huh. because uh-huh. that will be what we're told. We are restricting the ability right. for people to vote. Right. We, we did this with vote. We were told that with voter ID. Right. I can't right. get on a plane. I can't cash a check. <laughs> I can't do anything if I don't show my yeah, ID. Yeah, yeah. And yet... The simple things, is it just the red herring? I'm trying to throw yeah. something up there to distract? What? That, how do we that, 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 How do we message this that, out? That's all, that's all that is. I mean, you know, in well, maybe even in some places around the country currently, I think at least in, even in Washington, D.C. until a month ago, you couldn't go to a restaurant without showing a vaccination ID card, for God's sakes. That's just to go sit down and have a meal. You know, much less do the most important thing that you can do as a citizen in a free country, which is go exercise the franchise and vote you know, and to prove you are who you say you are before you do it. You know, for anyone to say that that's voter suppression, for anyone to say that securing your ballot uh, with, uh, you know, a reference to your Social Security number or, you know, or uh, having to put your address on there if you're a witness or uh, anything of that nature where you have to prove you are who you say you are before you influence the outcome of an election, to say that that's voter suppression is just uh, it's idiocy, it's stupidity, it has no credibility whatsoever. Uh, and, you know, but you can expect it because when the liberals run out of arguments, they start throwing around names like, you know, uh, you know, suppression, it's racist, it's this, it's that. And the usual pejoratives will come out and, you know, you just pat them on the head and say, bless your heart and move about your business. Like, <laughs> well, and, and, and so and we, bless your heart on that one. As you're at home, as you're listening to this on your drive in, we, we want to wrap up with this thought. The most important aspect of all of this, Drew, is an individual's personal responsibility. That's right. Your That's right. responsibility to vote in an election mm-hmm. is dependent upon you doing one simple step first, and that's to yeah. register to vote. That's right. If you're not registered to vote, 
you can't vote on election day. And as I and have told a group count. of students, yeah, I've told a group of students before, you know, don't ever complain yep. about what goes on if you don't show up right. to vote because the voting is your ability to be part of we the people in mm-hmm. the process that yep. we are the ones who are responsible for what goes mm-hmm. on in our government, that we yep. have a, a representative form of government. This is our voice in this. Mm-hmm. Voter registration ends how many days before an election? 30 days before an election. So we're looking at the fact that we're going to get to May 14th. Correct. And that is the last day that you can register to vote. To vote in the primary. In the primary. Correct. That primary, keep in mind, primary is where our, our political parties, for those of you just, you know, we'll make it real simple, not hit my microphone too much, where you get to choose, am I going to vote in the Republican primary or the Democratic primary and choose who the candidates are going to be in the general election that's going to take place Correct. in November. So it's how we kind of whittle the group down into mm-hmm. here are the two two or three folks who are going, going to be running based upon the party that you're running for. Yep. And, and as we get into that process, mm-hmm. this is really where a lot of the work gets done in, in, into the process because – a lot of the seats well, that we have in the House are, are yeah. already, they're in very well, Republican or very Democratic districts to begin with. Totally, totally. And, and look, and I would also just point out, obviously, you, know, you and I are preaching to the choir here. We're talking to a conservative audience, uh, which I assume is overwhelmingly Republican. Uh, the Republican Party is the home of and has been since the late 60s, uh, early 60s, uh, when Barry Goldwater ran, the home of the conservative movement. Uh, sometimes we've got great conservative candidates. Sometimes their conservative credentials might be a little bit suspect. But at the end of the day, uh, within our system here in South Carolina, that comes down to the people who actually go and vote in our primaries to choose good conservative nominees. So if you want to make sure we've got good conservative nominees in November, and as you point out, in many of these districts where Democrats aren't even challenging Republicans, you need to turn out and vote in the primary. That's where it matters the most. Right. So as you are preparing for the the end of the legislative session, we're going to be following what's going on with these two bills. Uh, links to those bills will be in the description here for House Bill 3444 and 4919. Basically, for those of you who are at home or listening or going to understand, we're going to basically see two bills merged together into one, which right. means it's going to have to go back over because it will get amended in the process. Mm-hmm. The House will most likely concur. There are a few screwballs that could get thrown into this when right. it, with the issue that has to do with whether or not the Senate is going to have advice and consent capabilities. Uh, we'll let that one play itself out right. into the realm of the meat grinder that is the State House. <laughs> uh, and on that note, Drew McKissick, Chairman of the South Carolina Republican Party. As always, it's great to have you here on the Palmetto yes, Family Matters Podcast. And uh, we look forward to giving you more information on what's going to be going on in the election process. And as we do that... We always hope that you will be very, very mindful that you are the part that makes a difference in here in the ways that we are the cultural guardrails of South Carolina. For the staff here at Palmetto Family, thanks so much for watching and being a part of the Bay Debate. We'll see you next week on Friday 